welcome to episode one of Noisegate, a podcast where we talk about contemporary music in a meaningful way. I'm Jackie Connor, and today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Samuel Posner, and we're going to be talking about a Bon Iver album. But before we get into it, I want to talk a little bit about myself and about what the podcast is and what we're doing here. I am a second year popular music production and business student at Arizona State University. I've been a multi-instrumentalist for most of my life, and I work two jobs in the music industry, one as a concert technician and the other in production coordination. I'm going to be deep diving a new album every two weeks, with each album being split into two separate episodes being released weekly, and I will be doing so with a different co-host for every album. The main things we're going to be talking about for each song and each album as a whole are the production, the music theory, the lyricism, um, and kind of just the style and the impact that the music has. Um, but today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Samuel, if you want to talk a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. Hi, I'm Samuel. I've been classically trained as a pianist ever since I was like seven, eight years old, which has been a good minute at this point. Aside from that, I also, you know, love listening to music obsessively. You know, it's a pretty good hobby to have on the side. Uh, I study philosophy at Arizona State, and uh, so not quite music, but I do like thinking about stuff, so that should count for something. Yeah, Samuel and I have been friends for, what is it, like four years? No, five. Five. Yeah. Five. Yep, five. Yeah, Samuel and I went to high school together, so we, we, we've been in this bitch a minute. So yeah, that's uh, what we do. This is, this is Noisegate, and our first episode is on we're going to be talking about Bon Iver's 2016 album 22 a million this is one that Samuel actually put me onto. it's his third studio album big vibes we love it if you like ambient alternative indie folk great album um yeah Samuel do you have some overall like leading thoughts kind of thing just general things yeah so I feel like this is just you know a fantastic album uh and that's it really does speak i mean for shit itself, yeah you know? like until we get into like the meat and potatoes you can't really give a good deep cut but i did want to say before we start that i understand it can be really intimidating to approach music in an analytical way especially if you don't have a background in doing so like for non-musicians there is a very real deer in the headlights moment when someone who works in music and has a lot of practice doing what we're going to do here, um, try and break down music theory and intelligent lyricism. So the point of this podcast is to make discussions like this accessible in order to kind of open the fold and welcome non-musicians into a new way to perceive and enjoy music. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Bon Iver, 20 to a million. Yeah, I have some overall thoughts. Um, the cover's weird. <laughs> yeah. I have mixed feelings. Because it's, it's like, it's messy and the album's kind of messy and so it fits, but it's like a little forgettable. Yeah, definitely. It's just, if you ever asked me, uh, like on the street, I love this album, but if you put a microphone on my mouth and said, <laughs> like I did two for this. things on the cover of this album, I would not be able to tell you one of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, if I put a microphone to your mouth and I'm like, that is exactly what I did. Yeah. Uh, it looks cool, though, when you're looking at it, but it's not, like, particularly impressive yeah, as far as album covers that's, go. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel. 
Something to note if you haven't listened to this before, if you're like, you know, if you're, if I'm going to talk about this, um, one thing I really recommend is this is one that you'd want to listen all the way through, um, rather than just picking out some good songs that like Samuel and I might recommend the transitions between the tracks on this song are flawless and they make it feel like a very cohesive piece, both thematically and just like from a production standpoint, transitions between songs, you barely notice them half the time. Yeah, definitely. Bon Iver is not a singles artist nearly as much as he is an albums artist. Even though there are plenty of individually excellent songs, you get such a better experience out of listening to it with the context of the rest of the album. Yeah, especially because his work is widely known as more ambient. It's very like it's 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 a larger experience type thing. So speaking of some ambient shit, first song on the album, Weird Start weird champ but i kind of love it um 22 so all this also all the song names have uh numbers to start them which is kind of funky fresh first song is called 22 soon and we love it it's a banger i really like this one i think it's a super strong way to start the album it starts on a drone which is like weird but i like it the sample that they use is really good. The compound parts, like this song builds in a very like compounding way, like a vertical layering type way. If you are somebody that like mixes music, it's like very much like vertical layering. You can pull and add parts and it all still sounds cohesive, whether you're going to pull or add parts to it. Um, I feel like it's like an empty amphitheater type vibe to the mix. It's like very light and airy. There's a ton of space. Like you can hear in the mix that there's a ton of space. Um, but yeah, like kind of like gospel-esque vocals to it. Um, some of the guitar like clashes is what I've noticed with it. I don't know if it like struck you at all, but, um, I don't know, like minor six with the drone is kind of weird. It's like not icky, but I don't know this album and Bon Iver's music really utilize like musical clashes that kind of get your attention, um, that just sound kind of dissonant, but they're like dissonant in not an unpleasant way. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Uh, a lot of his music just ha- has these really interesting chording decisions that uh, it, just if you heard it independently of the song, it would sound awful and horrific, but he just makes it work in such a pleasant way that it almost feels like soft, which is a really impressive thing to do with those particular chords. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I also agree with definitely what you said about the empty amphitheater kind of a vibe. It's like... Just this this lonely feeling uh, of being in this just massive room, hearing voices just echo through it. It just feels empty, even though there's so many voices happening. Yeah, and like loneliness, this is again a strong way to start because loneliness is like such a... I think loneliness in like a very... Um, not physically alone, but feeling lonely way is a huge theme of this album. I don't know. Yeah, like the way you can sort of be lonely in the middle of a crowd where even though there's people all around you, you feel like there's like like you're you're completely alone in the world almost. Yeah. Um and then this one, the the thing about this album that I feel is I think the lyrics while they're interesting are not what stands out about it, which is kind of like not usual for music that I enjoy listening to. Um, but this one has a solid one. Like one of the lines in, I think it's like the second verse is, and then I draw an ear on you so I can speak into the silence is like 
such an inventive and really cool line um like forcing somebody to listen rather like regardless of whether they're gonna get it is like bro sit down and listen to my fucking album it's gas i don't care if you get it it's listen to it and that's kind of like the vibe of this album is like you don't have to this is one of those where it's like you don't really have to understand what 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 be going on it's just good yeah absolutely i feel like with a lot of folk uh the lyrics are a main driving point of the whole uh of the of the song but for Bonnie Vare in particular it feels like the lyrics are just something are the secondary focus to the incredible things that he's doing musically yeah for sure and like there are a lot of people that perceive um especially people that are non-musicians that are casual music listeners um not to shout out oh it's so early to be doing this not to shout out the one in my life that does this but there are a lot of you that listen to vocals not as lyrics and not as vocals but just as an extra layer of noise and i think this is like an album for you if that's the case because it's very much like you don't need to have the vocals as lyrics to understand what is going on um and the next song really doesn't utilize vocals much at all and Death Breast is super percussion heavy. So percussion heavy. Huge, booming, reverbed out percussion. Like very thundering. Big vibe switch up from the previous song. This is kind of like the most, um, I would almost, it, this is like overwhelming. This song has an overwhelming feel to it that's different than like the more ambient overwhelming, like the harmonically overwhelming parts of the, uh, the rest of the album that we're going to get to later. Um, it's, it's different, but like th- this is kind of a forgettable song. Yeah. It's weird to say, but a song that's so almost like aggressive, it feels like, and almost overstimulating, but it does sort of feel forgettable in the track listing. It really especially does. Especially with the songs that are coming before and after it being so strong. Yes. Especially given what surrounds it. And <laughs> I don't want to get ahead, but we'll get there. But um, I do think it fits well with the narrative progression just because it's such like, again, this is like a full album experience, not an individual song experience. So like the, the tension and release of the album, this fits well. Um, and I like, they have like a ringing sound in this song that, f- that adds to like the overstimulated feel. The momentum build is really good, but other than that, I feel like it's kind of unremarkable. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this one. I feel like... I I will say, though, that I don't think the album would would be better off without the song. I agree. I still think it has a solid place within the album. I just... Like, if you asked me to name 10 songs off the album, this would be, like, the the 8th, ninth, or maybe even 10th song that I named. Yeah, pretty much. This one, like, again, it it, it has its place in the narrative for the way it builds tension and the way it escalates and the way that it like the booming really feels like it's like it's almost like black friday in a crowded mall like the booming the booming thundering percussion is like very intense overstimulating public setting feeling oh yeah definitely Um, and for that it serves a good purpose with the like social loneliness feeling but it definitely does not stack up to the rest of the album, especially not the next song, which is like my baby, my child, the love of my life. The next song is 715 Creeks. And 
I, this song is maybe my favorite. Um, so I, okay, I'm going to get into some beef about me. So I, for musicians out there, um, I have something called absolute or perfect pitch. Look it up if you want to know about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but my ears are very like tuned into harmonic shit. Um, more I'm like my ears and my brain are more like, um, harmonically focused than a lot of like the, the average listener of music because of this. So I have a soft spot for vocoder, which is a production effect that takes notes that are played together in harmony. It takes chords and it shapes them to whatever words are being sung. So you can create auto-tune harmony with it. Um, and it's super dope and I love it so much. And Creeks has done it better than I think any other piece of music has, in my opinion. It's all vocoder. There is nothing else. This song is entirely auto-tune harmony. Um, and it's done really well. I love this song. The chord progression is really weird. It starts on a major four being the most emphasized chord rather than the tonic chord or root chord that keeps everything grounded in the key G-sharp major, which we're in. Yeah, so the major fourth is a really interesting uh, chord to use for that because a lot of times musically, the major four chord is used to lead into another chord. So if you use that as like almost the home base essentially of the song, it makes the song feel uh, almost like it's going somewhere, but not quite. Exactly. Yeah, the lack of resolution especially like in the end of the song, like the chord progression, the song starts with this major four, which is naturally occurring. It's a diatonic chord, so it's not crazy, but it also ends on this major four. So we don't get any sort of resolution and any sort of like, ah, the peace has come feeling. Um, the repetition of I remember something is great. Um, this, I would consider this as the refrain. This song is in like classic strophic form. So like all the verses have like similar structure. Um, they also use the line like for at once it might be something. So it's like a lot of this refrain of like reflection and remembering, which, um, you know, like fits with the album. Um, there's the reason I bring up that it's all harmonic vocoder other than just like general structure is that when you do voc when you're like creating something using vocoder, um, you have to, unless you automate it and the program you're using just does it automatically. If you're going to do it the way they did it in this song, you have to manually play or program or write all of the notes that are played for every syllable. You have to program the harmony for every single syllable. So it's interesting that there's a clash and that one of like in one section of the song, there are syllables that don't make chords that make sense. On the line, I know it felt right and I had you in my grasp, there's a clash, which rubs me the wrong way because the rest of the song is perfect. But um, I don't know, I think it's really interesting and it's the first real instance in this album where we see Bon Iver's trend of deliberate mistakes. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of the things that makes this album so special is that uh, he has the confidence in his work to uh, create these intentional mistakes throughout it that I feel really do a good job of humanizing 
uh, a lot of the almost futuristic sounds that he has and drawing them back to these roots of folk. Because when you hear like the perfect autotunes, it sounds almost inhuman. And then just these cracks and these mistakes uh, really just bring it back down and ground it in a really well done way. Yeah, and it's like the something something that we've talked about a little bit is like the bridge between the digitalization and like the the fresh um like like you said futuristic feel of like the ambient genre mixed with like the very raw real human roots of folk and the way that he uses deliberate mistakes like we see in this song to bridge that gap is really interesting. There's also only one line with no harmony that's just an autotune melody line, which is, and I see you at the very end, which I think is interesting. It's like very, I know it's supposed to be the most raw, like stopping time moment type deal. It reminds me of, um, there's a Taylor Swift song called Right Where You Left Me that that like feeling of like time stopping in like a moment like reminds me of. And that's kind of what this feels like too. I don't know if you have any other notes on this song. No, yeah, I just feel that uh, this does a this is a really great job of uh, justifying this album's existence as a combination between the two, and it really contrasts with other albums that have attempted to do similar things. Yeah, like not to beat a dead horse uh, that's been beaten for quite some time, uh, but Justin Timberlake attempted to do a similar thing with Man of the Woods, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, which attempted to combine techno and like country folk vibes. Don't love that. And one of the most horrifically sound, <laughs> awful sounding albums I've ever had to listen to. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to do, but I think, um. Yeah, this this song kind of exemplifies that and crushes it. And it also is a great example of autotune being used as an effect rather than something that just like is a power buff for your vocals. It's an effect more than anything else. And this song like shows that. Yeah, absolutely. This song autotune isn't uh, covering up mistakes. It is a featured aspect of the song. 33 is literally just called God, bro. I don't know. <laughs> Naming conventions on this album are, are something else, but the song is gas. It's a great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's um the piano in this song is really catchy. Um, this song and the next one are both in E major. They transition really well. Um, but yeah, this one starts just like playing piano and like a little synth pad, but it's like a very catchy like major four minor six one like major one back to tonic chord progression it's like classic but it's chill um this one does a good job of using panning and directional audio um, which if you are not aware is basically it's like if you the best example i can think of is bohemian rhapsody because it's a classic and everybody's heard it if you've ever listened to bohemian rhapsody with headphones um you can hear the operatic voices on both sides at different times and it's like maybe it's only on the right this time they sing and only on the left the next time so that's what panning is is setting um different tracks and things like that to different sides at different times and you can automate this and like choose when you're going to do it and when it's going to be central and it, you're going to hear it both sides and all that um, but this track does is I think one of the first ones on the album that does a solid job of this. Um, 
this one is like the second most glitchy song on the album um but that's i think because the most the songs that are most rooted in folk music have the most like automated glitchiness to them yeah i definitely agree i feel like this is just a on its surface just a very solid folk song and uh it has that really classic uh chord structure and a really classic like progression to it essentially uh and the glitches help tie it back to the rest of the album where you have different songs that have the like the more choral parts to bring it closer to folk it has the glitchy parts to bring it closer to the more futuristic ambient noise of the rest of the album yeah and the percussion i think really glues this song together um something that this song does that i think is kind of a staple of Bon Iver is like the percussion feels randomized um, and there are ways in music production to use synthesizers to actually randomize your percussion and you can randomize harmonies you can randomize almost everything as long as it's digital um, but I like that effect on more ambient music because it adds like a it adds texture and it adds a level of like uncertainty and dimension that's really cool um, I don't have a ton to say about this one. It's just like a, a cheeky little folk song that's got like some interesting glitchiness to it. Yeah, it feels it's it's just a very solid song as a whole, uh, which you need a few of those in the album to make it sound listenable. Yeah, I mean this one this one's just solid. It's like if you want like a chill acoustic-y vibe like it you know like it it feels like a singer-songwriter type deal this is definitely one of the more singer-songwriter-ish songs on the album it's an easier song to, to show to someone than a lot of the other ones on the track listing the next one we've arrived at your baby your child your love of your life <laughs> yes uh, 29 Stratford apartments we love this one incredible song yeah phenomenal this is one of the strongest points on the album that really embodies the loneliness simultaneously taking place in like memory and retrospection do you want to elaborate a little bit on that yeah definitely so it feels like uh, parts of it are recorded almost like a strumming a guitar at a campfire, just relaxed or, an, or in a cabin somewhere or, or even just at an apartment with your friends, somewhere communal, somewhere happy, somewhere nostalgic. And the other part of it is taking place in the recording studio, just alone working. And the, uh, again, the like the little glitches that happen throughout it, the cutting out uh, the more staticky effects, especially on the most dramatic moments vocally, really tie that back together and keep both of them happening almost at the exact same time, is what it feels like. The vocal effects in this song come in and out in interesting ways. Like, they almost... It's almost like they automated the EQ and, like, um, in deliberate places, like, bumped the highs, dropped the lows kind of deal. Um, but it seems a little bit more like random the way that they automated it. But something that's unique about this song is that this like changes in the EQ and the effects on his vocals allow the voice to break in like an emotional way that wouldn't be conveyed with the natural voice. And that goes along with like 
the glitches and like the cracks and things like that just allow like kind of a more it's like using technology to create a like an emotional response based on the music that's coming out um that you wouldn't get with just somebody singing for the most part yeah absolutely like you could not replicate that with just someone in the studio singing because the specific effect like glitches and sort of cuts out that's not humanly possible and it really goes a long way to again justifying the album's existence as a combination of the two styles it's trying to marry yeah um this one is just like a cheeky little depressing folk song but with some extra tech flair and we love that same key or like it the relative major key to the last song so they you know share the same notes they feel very similar in that sense um the the, they don't use strings a lot on this album i love them used here they're they're really good in this song they add a lot of texture they really fill out the song and add depth and add like an extra layer to the harmony and they like re reinforce the chord progression really well um and then this one has like one of my favorite melodies on the record the chorus is really cool um like the walking melody through the key um on the chorus like it, it walks through it walks through a whole octave yeah it walks through a whole octave which is pretty impressive um with like building like compounding harmonies on every two beats it's really cool i like the structure of the choruses a lot um but yeah i think this song is pretty dope yeah personally if you only have enough time to listen to one song on the album this is the one that I'd listen to. Obviously, I'm a bit biased, but I think it's just an incredible song that everyone should give at least one listen to. Here's my deep cut. I'm going to agree with you. I'll take Because it. I recognize that Creeks is not for everybody. Because I've shown Creeks to people in my life, and they've been like, I'm sorry, I really don't get it. <laughs> it's not... Um, I don't know. Creeks is not the most user-friendly, but it has some of my favorite lyricism on the album. It's phenomenal. It's like a little too much of a deep cut for me to go all the way into it because it's like very like vague and imagery based that is something i forgot to say this album has really good imagery in its lyrics like if you you kind of gotta like look them up and listen closely because of the way he because i was gonna say because the way that bon Iver articulates but he doesn't so <laughs> it's kind of like you gotta go hunting for him but yeah, this album does a really good job of like imagery and tone in the instrumentalism that matches that. And I think that's like a staple of really, really solid music. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like this song is one of the most accessible for people yeah. just coming into that this song. That is the right yeah. word because it's a good bridge of ambient and like a familiar folk feel. So it is yeah, very accessible compared to a lot of the rest of the Basically just a folk song with weird vocal effects on the chords is a way you could look at it yeah pretty much but it that's underselling it because it's an incredible song mm -hmm. and it really needs those vocal effects to pull it all together yeah but this album this album is full vibe um and we will be getting more into that on the next episode because like i said at the beginning we're doing half and half on this so we're halfway through um this discussion will continue next week it's gonna be sweet back half of the album is juicy and we 
love it especially the last song on the album is actually so killer oh, so gorgeous so ki- that might actually be the most accessible song on the album is the last one i'm not gonna oh, lie you to can't you can't just cut to that song. i know you can't just cut to that but song. yeah this is basically how uh episodes are gonna run on the podcast is gonna be half and half the only exception are if we talk about eps and bad albums because i'm not gonna split i'm not gonna make you listen to two episodes of a bad album that sucks um yeah Thanks for listening. This has been Noisegate. We will see you next week.